We got a whole bunch of reader mail. An episode. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Triangle Squared. Lucky number 29. I was waiting for you to do it. I didn't know if you knew. Uh, I am your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, your other host, Mr. Saw Bridges. Did your knee just touch mine? It did. Ugh. It was very, it was experience. And I'm not going to talk about what kind of experience, but uh, it was an experience. Of the hard kind. <laughs> uh, anyway, if this is your first time joining us, we are Triangle Squared, a PlayStation-based podcast, and we come to you every Monday at 12 p.m. CST and 10 a.m. PST on YouTube and video format and on podcast services around the globe. Ain't that and the truth. in audio only format, so you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Podcast, Podcast Addict, a bunch of ones. That's that's Saul's one he likes to chime in with. That's the only uh, one I remember. Well, Saul, this is going to be an interesting episode. So it is. It's, I'm gonna go ahead and start it off with because we're actually going to have a slightly different answer this week. I think at least. What good serve have you been playing? Destiny Two, again, <laughs> but of course. Um, other than that, Dragon's Dogma, Darker Isn't, pretty good. I uh, went in thinking it was something else, so I can't be immersed in that game for whatever reason, like I could be in typical RPGs. Well, do you think it's, because you mentioned that to me earlier, but you didn't go super in-depth, so do you think it's a, it's a product of, for some reason, your expectations? No, I think like it's... Like what you thought the game was versus expectations make it hard to get into, or is it literally just that it's not quite the type of game? No, like, it, it started out great, um, and it's, it is a great game. It's just something that I that I have to come to terms with, but it is um, something that I didn't realize the pawn system acted as, like, kind of an NPC system, and I thought that was an optional thing, where you can recruit pawns. No, but yeah, but the game like, for, it forces the, you If to I'm not mistaken, them. I'm trying to remember my time with the game. When you're going to do certain things, it actually tells you you have to have a certain number of pawns with you, right? Uh, that I haven't gotten that far yet. Um, um, I'm only like four And honestly, I could be wrong. I haven't, I haven't played that game since PS3. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it's a great game. Um, I that just, was like, what, 2012, I think, that yeah, game came out? There's, so. there's a lot of rep- uh, repetitiveness when it comes to your pawns saying the same thing and... It got really, really, really. Well, of course. Annoying. To be fair, it is a it's a last gen game. First thing to say, obviously. So it's coming over. It came over at a good price. I'll give it that too. Uh, yeah, and it was also bucks. it was also a small game, a smaller game. It was more of a niche title, even when it came out. It, I don't think it, it actually did better than they expected it to. I'm fairly positive, and that I would be. I would sure that I'd be sure that that's probably why it came over to PS4 at all and Xbox One at all. Uh, is that game saw a little more than they expected, and then there probably was a pretty dececent outcry for it to come to PS4. Yeah, um, and Xbox One. So, well, I mean, that'd uh, be interesting. But have you played anything else outside of those two? Uh, that I kind of started on Skyrim again. Uh, oh wow, on PS4. So I, I started on that, and I have been playing The Evil Within, the Are first you- one. So I can play the second one. So have you? Are you trying? Are you aiming for platinum in Skyrim? Uh, I am, but that's kind of getting pushed farther and farther. And well, I will tell down. you, I platinum that game in like forty hours, which is really good. No, I know that's that's still too much um, for me because because we have Gran Turismo coming out. We have Evil Within two. I got to play. I got to beat Persona five. I got to platinum Dark Souls three. You Dark have Souls an interest 2. in South Park, but you want to play the first one. I got. Oh, I'm gonna buy it. Yeah, I'm probably gonna buy it on um, Wednesday, and I'm off this weekend. And I actually have a three-day weekend, so I'm actually going to get to spend some time with some games. I don't know which ones, and I don't know if I'm getting South Park or Gran Turismo, because I'm not going to buy both and only be able to play one. A quick so. non-gaming aside, we did not go to Hot Springs yesterday. I confused weekends. So do you want to go next weekend? Yeah, I was going to say, since you're off, we can go We, we can go. We can all go Woo-woo. next weekend. Um, all right, cool. So is Annie off? We just didn't know if, I yeah, didn't know yeah, if y'all lined is. up. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, now, Back to games. Yeah. <laughs> 
Dra- Dragon's Dogma, Evil Within, the first one, Skyrim, and Destiny 2, and the Gran Turismo beta. That's really it. And I mm-hmm. thought the beta was really fun. I only got to play like two hours of it. Uh, certainly picking it up. It's a fun game. Um, there's a couple of things I have wrong with the game that are personal. I'm sorry, Gran Turismo? Right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Like, I don't like that you can't really... The game almost overcorrects you when you're trying to fix yourself, and then it really... Well, hold on, hold on. What, what option did you choose? What do you mean? Beginner, intermediate? Intermediate. Okay, intermediate's only got brake assist, so the game does not is not supposed no, 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 to have no, drive assist. No, I feel assist like the game engine itself it's not an assist, and I turned that brake engine assist off. That was annoying. Well, <laughs> my okay. Well, from what I did, it didn't even actually brake for you. It would tell you when you're supposed to brake. That's what the assist is for. That's what I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but it made me. Break. If you'll notice when you're doing it, you'll see a brake thing pop up. But you I can completely be, ignore. I might it. be wrong. Yeah, I might be wrong on the. Yeah, because it was on the little speedometer. Yeah, it's uh, right above. It's right above. It'll say brake. It'll flash. So no, like, kind of give you an idea. And I just did that to ease myself into it because I didn't yeah. play six. So it's actually been a little while since I played a Grand. It's Trisner been a while game. since I played a sim racing game like that. But uh, yeah, the well, last I, racing game I dove deep into was Need for Speed. Hey, mine was Forza Horizon. Uh, well, Horizon drive three or two. I drove decent. I, I dove decently into to drive. But um, my my whole thing is is that if you are on a track and like you accidentally uh like let's say you accidentally hit the analog stick left too far and you start to almost wipe out you it's really hard to come back from that that's just sims no 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 i know but I've, other sims i play they have a little bit more leeway in that well that's because of the sims you've played in forza no i know so like, I, that's I mean, don't wrong. That, like that's that's what bothered me is that like i gotta get better at driving i'll say that's not shit, that's not shitting on forza but me and my dad had this conversation because my dad's a huge proponent of uh, of Gran Turismo, he's actually part of the reason I'm into it. We played a crap load of uh, A-Spec back when I was young. That's the only time I've ever had a steering wheel with one of those games. We had a steering wheel, Gran Turismo 3, A-Spec, and then we played a little bit of it on Gran Turismo 4. Um, it's just something but, yeah, that's, get, that's one of the, that's one of the, the problems my dad had is he was like, because uh, you know, Trace has an Xbox, my brother, and he was saying, uh, you know, Trace had, they tried to get me to play Forza and was saying it was better. He's like, but I played it. And he's like, it's just, he's like, it's not enough of a sim for me. I was like, I know. It's a, it's a it's a common issue. I was like, it's yeah, the closest so, thing you're going to get to a sim on Xbox, but it still has slightly. I, and I don't know. Some people argue, but in my opinion, I feel like it's got slightly more forgiving and arcadey like features than a, than a true sim does. Uh, and a game I haven't played though, I've heard very mixed things on is Project Cars. I think that might be closer to what my dad'd be looking if he was ever going to play anything outside of Gran Turismo. But I myself have never played project cars yeah and i understand it's just something i gotta get used to but um but yeah i mean I, I get where you're going and then you know it's funny you bring this up i was having a conversation loosely this morning with um uh, ryan on, yeah. on twitter and he was talking about one thing which is exactly true it's been in pretty much most of the games is i love the steering wheel features for these games and that's why i'm actively looking at getting a steering wheel for gran turismo they're costly specifically because i love the ability to once the game recognizes that you're using one of these controllers and you try and turn too hard It'll actually, I mean, it, it, it's like driving a car. You right. lose front end traction. Super, super it starts simulation. jerking on you. Uh, and it, the, the motors are just really interesting. And that's coming from a PS2. I can only imagine how much better they've gotten. Uh, I, it, it'd be cool to play that in cinema mode, I think, on VR. Yeah, the it would, even though that game's going to support VR to some extent. Yeah, that'll be super I, I'm sick. I'm curious as to how it's going to go. Um, and it wasn't supported in the beta, so... Huh. Well, what have you, what have you been playing this week? That okay, so most Gran of Turismo. Bases. Gran Turismo, right. obviously. I, I did play a good bit of Gran Turismo. I don't know. How, how many of it did you play? Did you get into some of the activities? I got gold on like the first 
10 tutorials and then now you talking about tutorials or are you talking about actual the smaller race tutorials because you know there's there's driving about the one that, the driving that, schools or the ones that are you, actually racing the, the, the schools and then i did the racing one and i got to gold like on three on three of those i think yeah i got or to the gold four. i got to the gold on seven i think of that yeah. of that second one where you can go through the first 10 of stage one and stage six were the only ones available right i got through almost all of stage one i think i did get through all of stage one but i didn't get gold on all of them uh and that's what, actually, I'm going to go ahead and say one of the guys, uh, Joe Robinson, was wanting to hear our thoughts on Gran Turismo, uh, sport beta or demo, whatever you want to call it. And it was good. I loved it. Um, and it's exactly what I look for in a Gran Turismo game. And it's like, it's been so long since I played one. I skipped it on six, and I can't really remember why. I think at the time it was actually money because I was, I was just about to be working at Leadwell, and I was kind of broke. And I just skipped over it because I got the PS4 instead. Um with that being said, the reason I say that it's exactly what I'm looking for in Gran Turismo game is even though it's a little different than previous Gran Turismo, it's not just leaps and bounds, but it is a little different. What I what I like about it is Gran Turismo's ability to pull you to want to get that gold uh, as long as the game somewhat interests you. So since obviously the game interests me, that game is all about learning where you've messed up yeah, and, and, this, and, and this track and going, it. this is exactly where I can improve on my time. Yeah, And yeah, you get closer and closer and closer. And I finally got a gold on one that I was doing well on all of them. And this one was working my butt because I was being too aggressive, right. way too aggressive. And it was coming up on – and there was only one curve on this entire little bit of track. you got to do two laps and uh, get to first to get gold. That's how it works. Um, yeah. And the problem I kept having is I would get right behind the first car, but I was every time I was messing up by just being too aggressive. And even though I was slowing down and not hitting the wall, I wasn't slowing down enough to be able to keep picking up speed around that corner to go ahead and pass the people on the first straightaway. Oh, so yeah. when I picked up on that and I was able to consistently get closer and closer, and I didn't get them first time, but I got millimeters away. Right. And then I finally just overcame them. I was, it feels so good. It feels good. good. It's accomplishing. Yeah, that, that sense of achievement is really high in those games. And the game is beautiful. And, of course, I'm playing on a PS4 Pro uh, with 4K. And I'm playing on a PS4 and Pro. And with HDR. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, the game is very beautiful. But outside of that, uh, I did get strep throat. Uh, this week I went to the doctor Monday and only worked half of that day and came back and was able to spend the second half of Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday at home. I didn't play a lot of games Monday because I felt pretty bad, but Tuesday I woke up, uh, got um, um, Lord of the Rings, you know, Shadow of Mordor. Is a, Shadow, Shadow of War. War. Sorry, Middle Earth Shadow of War. Uh, and I played that and I, I intended to play that and then hop into Gran Turismo, and I ended up playing just way more of that than I intended to, which is good. I played on the game for like almost eight hours, I think. Yeah, which is good, but that's my intention is to beat it before South Park, um, and so far it is fantastic. So, I mean, I, I, I love the game. It's exactly what I wanted out of that game, too, and I am very happy to say that my suspicions and the way they described it was very correct in the fact that there is no need at all to play that game with microtransactions at all. And even yeah. then, I've only gone to the microtransaction thing once because it just shows it to you in the tutorial you do get gold naturally when you overcome forts and overcome other people's forts you get gold and when you do that you have the currency so there's no reason to spend any money and even then i've not spent very much time in the market even though you get the currency yourself i've just done everything well, naturally in the game and it's been fun i think that there's a certain in-game aspect that doesn't promote it or anything, i, I want to get i mean i want to get there and yeah, see but, but as it, far it, as i've seen now i mean it cuts grinding is all it does that's really all it is and yeah. i've only used it once because you get a free uh, box from doing one of the first sieges to try and show you what the point of what the loot boxes yeah, are, kind of which that. is really to help support the online infrastructure, which is like that. Um, what do they call that? Um, I can't even think. It's like what No Man's Sky was for a long time and Bloodborne and stuff, where it's it's multiplayer but asynchronous multiplayer. There we go. Oh, um, I, I which didn't is know really that. what this is because you can you can do other people's sieges and you can take them down. 
Uh, but and then people can attack your siege online, and then they'll win stuff from that. Um, but one point in the game where I was just trying to hurry because I do want to hurt, I want to get it beat. Uh, but I'm trying to let the story stuff go. But I've also want to try and take as much of it in as I can. So it's like a weird balance game. I was like, you know what? To do this side quest, I have to have three followers in this area, and you have to get new followers per area. Well, the boxes you can get give you followers. Yeah. And what I did is I I went in there, realized I had some followers. Like I just want to hurry up and get through this part. And I already had followers, so I went to what's called your garrison, picked them up, and then I deployed them in the region I was in, and then I was able to use them as my followers and go ahead and complete the side quest. Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, that's what I'm saying, is that there's uses for it, but none of it's crazy. Yeah, none of it is super needed. And the only thing is that the you can get these orcs out of the boxes, and if you decide you don't like them as followers, you can destroy them for a piece of gear. And the gear is going to be based off of what they are. If they're epic, you get an epic piece of gear. If they're legendary, you get a legendary piece of okay. gear. But it's all luck of the draw. Yeah. And again, unnecessary. I've got plenty of legendary gear and epic gear, and that's the only time. And I've never even destroyed one of my orcs. I use them to actually be... Um, to kind of... Yeah, to, quit, to, yeah to fasten myself through, through a part that I was just, I wanted to go ahead and take in because I felt the need to get through it Yeah, um, before I hopped back into the main story part. But huh. outside of that, I mean, I, I've touched on Destiny 2 very lightly, but Iron Banner is not necessarily there for me. I don't I don't love it. Um, and I, I, it sucks, though, because I did, there's people I was wanting to play with this week. Actually, RJ is one of them. Uh, and it, we played a little bit of Destiny together, but we both had strep throat, wildly enough. That, that's crazy. He's two, crazy. Two people, doesn't he live in Alabama? <laughs> sorry, oh, sorry, RJ. RJ, I love you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, that's about what I've been playing, and I have very, very big hopes to just be able to hop right into South Park when it comes out on Tuesday. Okay, so makes sense. Um, so I guess you want me to go ahead and get in the drop real quick? Yeah, go ahead and roll that through. Sure. We have Abyss: The Race of Eden for PS4. We have Basuka Wars 2 for PS4. We have Chaos Child for PS4 and PS Vita. We have Dungeons 3 for PS4, retail available on that one. We have Elix for PS4. Yeah, I don't know if it's Elix or Elix, but I, I remember I seeing that like game. I want to say it's like Elix, but Elix. Well, that I could be wrong. Uh, that's coming physically. We have Gran Turismo Sport coming physically <laughs> and digitally for PS4. We have Hex Card Clash for PS4. Super iPhone-looking game. We have the Jackbox <laughs> Party Pack 4 for PS4. Megaton Rainfall, Rainfall for PS Finally VR. Coming. Finally coming. That's interesting. No Heroes Allowed for VR. That actually looks really cool. I don't know if you've seen that or not. I haven't, but I like the No Heroes Allowed you, games back on PSP and, and whatnot. So. Oh, well, then that, that may be very well be similar. Uh, we have Real Farm for PS4. Realms of Arcania, Blade of Destiny for PS4. Is that, an, uh, is that one of the... Uh, what's it called? Neverwinter Nights games? Uh, yeah, but I was actually talking about Forgotten Realms. But Oh, no, uh, I was it, like, it's not, not it Neverwinter like Nights very, either. It looked like a very similar crest up top for the Forgotten Realms games. Dude, that's, and it reminded me of Neverwinter Nights with the eye thing, too. Well, yeah, that, well, Neverwinter's Nights is part of Forgotten Realms. That makes sense. Yeah. We have Rooper, or Rogue, Rooper, Rogue Trooper Redux <laughs> for PS4, both digitally and retail. We have South Park, the Fractured Butthole Woo-woo. for PS4, both digitally and retail. Spiral Splatter for PS4 and PS Vita. Summon Night 6. Lost Borders for PSVR or PS4 and PS Vita. That game does look interesting, by the way. Uh, We have WWE 2K18 for PS4, and that is the last on the list. That's Jonathan's game of the week. I can't tell us. Y'all check out Shenanigans and such on YouTube if you like wrestling commentary. If you like wrestling. I don't understand wrestling, so I'll tell you right now, I I don't get it. But uh, I'm featured in the show as Brett the Barbarian, at least I was. I could have gotten killed off or anything. I don't know. <laughs> gotten the ring 
I don't know. I don't know if that's even a thing. I just made something up. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about wrestling. It's just not where my passion lies. Got but power drived. <laughs> got stone cold stunned. That's that's not even my move. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go ahead and hop into news real quick. So the first thing up, one of the games I'm most excited for, obviously South Park Fractured But Whole. Uh, the download size for that has been revealed. If you plan on picking up, you will need around 23.66 gigs of free space on your hard drive. Not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, PSVR turned one this week, so congratulations to Sony and PlayStation and over one million owners of the unit. Woo woo. I'm still pissed at them about this, I was just this say, breakout just in, box. Just in time for the second one. Uh, I mean, it's still okay. It's it's a cool VR thing, and they're well ahead of the competition. So right. I'm still proud of them. It's just really, really I'm miffed about that uh, that breakout box. Oh, I understand. All right, so let's see. Uh, next up, in Europe, PlayStation have announced a slew of new compact controllers for the PS4. There are three controllers coming from different manufacturers with the intention of shrinking down the DualShock 4 to presumably make the PS4 more friendly to young gamers. Uh, this stays in line with the recent talk of switching over their marketing uh, to a more casual audience. Uh, and I mean, that makes total sense to me. I think it's a great way to bring in new customers that are, you know, like you're talking about, what makes a mom go, oh, I can get this for my kid. Oh, I can get this for my kid. Nothing more than going, hey, not only can you get this system for your kid, here's games that they would like to play, and here's a controller that's right for their hands. I actually like the Hori one, the small one. The, the game uh, pad, as they call it. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. a... That one looks really weird. It looks interesting. But it does look very interesting. It, it's so reminiscent of, like, SNES era. I want to be Dark Souls on it. Even though that's not a huge feat to accomplish. You know what else was weird is that they, they said that you can mimic touchpad controls with analog sticks on that particular model. That's, that's actually cool. So I don't know if you cool. saw the touchpad is like literally the size of the end of your finger on that one. So there's other things you can do with analog sticks to help mimic it. Maybe it's that you have to touch it and then flick an analog stick to yeah. mimic a swipe. I don't really know. That's kind of cool. They didn't go into it, but I do think it's interesting. So uh, let's see. No word of these controllers making their way to North America yet, but I think it would be a really big missed opportunity on Sony's part. Uh, but who knows? Licensing could be part of the reason that they haven't announced it for over here yet. Uh, so you know we speak of we we t- speak we spoke of Project Cars two earlier. So uh, of course it's on the news. Project Cars two receives patch two point zero this week. The patch aims to improve driving line assist, AI behavioral improvement improvements improvements to the weather and tire combination systems, and a few fixes to the trophy list, which I assume means that they probably had some kind of glitches on certain trophies uh, and achievements as well. But you know this is a PlayStation oriented so so I normally word it. PlayStation, not on purpose, it just happens that way. Uh, let's see, next thing up, loot boxes have recently been under scrutiny on this show and, in, and everything as to whether they constitute a form of gambling or not. The ESRB have weighed in and mentioned that they see it as more akin to a collectible card game where you are guaranteed some form of content from your purchase. Peggy, on the other hand, that's the European one for those who don't know, uh, the European equivalent to ESRB has stated that the classification of it as a gambling is ultimately up to a gambling commission, uh, which has sparked a little bit of conversation about if games continue to go this route, do we ultimately see the gambling commission actually get involved, which could be detrimental, but who really or say detrimental be detrimental to loot boxes to an extent, but I, I don't know. It'd be really interesting to see. I just thought it was a interesting thing to put on here because it was, so hot with what's going on right now, obviously, but it's also just a very weird thing that at some point in time, gambling commission get pinned because gambling commission is overseen with games that are like teaching you how to real world gamble. Yeah. But so far have not been in anything like that. So, uh, next up Fortnite battle Royale has surpassed 10 million players in two weeks. So congratulations to the team over Epic games. Uh, saw you still enjoying that. 
I sure am. Me, yeah, like me Joe, and Gavin. You need I to hop just, on it. I don't have time, man. Just hop on it one night. It it's takes, free to play. It'll always probably be free to play. I'll do it way probably. later. Yeah. Well, I mean, it takes like 20 minutes to get a good game in. Yeah. So the podcast cat just interrupted us. But yeah, so Tabitha. just just for you to like hang out with us for 20 minutes or something would be cool. Oh, man. She disappeared. Well, she'll pop up somewhere, I'm That's sure. That's scary. She's going to jump up and claw my legs. Let's see. Next thing on the list, Gran Turismo Sport beta demo, whatever you want to call it. Saw more than 1 million players. So, you know, congratulations to everyone over at Sony and Polydiphony Digital. Uh, the game got a lot of praise. Uh, I don't know if you saw Digital Foundry did a really shining piece on the HDR implementation of the game and said it's one of the best games they've seen with HDR, HDR implementation. Really? Yep. And they also said in general the the game is just beautiful and hit sixty frames per second. Very, I pretty much never falters, uh, and that's not true of the PS3 entries. So right, which is good. PS Now is receiving some Halloween ready games this month over on the European PS blog. They announced that Until Dawn, Soma, and The Vanishing of Ethan Carter are all now available on the service. While no word was given for the North American service, it's likely to join in a matter of days. Uh, if it doesn't, I'd be very surprised. Those are perfect games to try and sell the service for people who don't quite keep up with newer gaming and have PCs. Never played Soma, but Until Dawn's great. Yeah, I want to play know, Soma. I, I was not, actually super excited for Soma. I didn't play Soma either. Very interesting. Uh, next up, stop worrying about her. She's over here do, beside I could, me. I could do what I want. <laughs> All right, Star Ocean is getting another PS4 release. Square Enix announced a remaster for Star Ocean The Last Hope, the divisive PS3 360 entry in the series, to be coming to the PS4. The game will feature 4K for pro users and 1080p for the base console. The remaster will be releasing on November 28th in Japan, though no official word on if and when it is coming to the West, though it very likely will. Um, I'd be very surprised if it does not uh, that game. It's one of those games where it had, you know, people waited for a long time and finally came over. It was a 360 exclusive at first, and the international edition came to PS3. Uh, it had very spotty voice acting. Yeah, I actually... I don't know if you played that game. It was well, it was it was an American. It's an okay right? game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah, I did play it. Yeah, it had, uh, the case was like a little blue. Like you know, it was a silhouette of a the was, main character. I get that game. I get that game, and then like the the Eternal Sonata game, and then I don't see how you get Eternal Sonata and it mixed up. But at least from there's a case only like perspective, there's four RPGs on the 360. The Lost Odyssey, that and oh, there's I, oh well, keep on going. Another Square game that flopped. I can't remember the name of it either. Off the Radiant Historia. No, I don't know. No, don't Radiant Historia is something else. All right, let's see. Final Fantasy 15 director Hajim Tabata has teased that he is working on a new IP. It isn't even in pre-production yet, but he reveals that it will use Square's in-house Luminous engine and possibly take advantage of cloud processing. Part of the reason I put this on here is I thought it was interesting to actually see him talking about working on a new game because all we've seen is them double down on 15. Uh, and the other reason I put it on here is that we saw Square take Kingdom Hearts 3 and Kingdom Hearts 2.8 by somewhat extension off of the Luminous Engine onto uh, Unreal 4. But it's interesting to me that Final Fantasy, or that, you know, Hazine Tabata's new game will take use of the Luminous Engine, which it seemed like they were moving away from because it was hard to develop for, but maybe yeah. it's just that he has so much experience with it now that it's going to be easier for him moving forward than switching engines completely. I'm not sure, but... And then, uh, of course, the tease of uh, cloud processing was just ridiculous to me. 
Next thing, Capcom have released a video showing the character creation in Monster Hunter World. The creation tools are quite varied, allowing you to choose gender, skin color, age, hair, accessories, eyebrow, shape, and you know how it points, and more. Character models look impressive, definitely as the Monster Hunter has uh, as Monster Hunter has been on handhelds in recent years, not being able to maximize new technologies to the fullest extent. I was really surprised at how good they looked. Yeah, and Real, uh, I, did you actually see the video showing the character creation? Yeah, it was and, way more in depth. And I guess partly is that character creation has been kind of on my mind lately because Destiny 2's is so bland. They did a really good and job a carbon them. copy of Destiny One. Capcom and um, uh, or I'll say Capcom, Dragon's Dogma and Monster Hunter both have really good combat. They're made by Capcom, and, and Dragon's Dogma had great character customization. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. I mean, I don't know. It's it's weird seeing some people follow through with these things, so it's almost like you know if you get a Capcom game, you're going to have decent character creation. But uh, let's see. Next thing, if you've been on the fence about pi- buying PSVR, the in-store demo program returns to the USA. Keep an eye out for stores that will have demo stations set up for you to experience VR before jumping into a purchase. So with all the stuff going on now, they're, you know, dropping in price in some ways and including certain things in some ways. So we drove 300 miles to try VR out before it came out. It was worth it. I, I it definitely was worth it. It let me know that I was going to be okay in the decision. It's a hard thing to want to jump into when you know that there's a chance you may be sick every time you touch it. Yeah. You know, you yeah. don't want to spend that much money. So, uh, the surge has received a new DLC pack free of charge. The fire and ice pack contains 10 new high tech weapons for players to use. Uh, those being split 50, 50 between fire based weapons and space travel tools that use ice to their advantage. Tecmo Koi, have announced plans for Dynasty Warriors 9 to include different performance modes. Much like Neo, the game will feature 30 and 60 frames per second optimized modes for the PS4 Pro, looking to be a possible trend for the company's games moving forward, which is really cool. And that's what I was saying. Capcom's following through with their character creation thing. We're seeing Tecmo Koi be more, actually keep up with, okay, a lot of our action games, people want 60 frames per second, but if you want the ability to choose 30 frames per second, you yeah, can. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um because they, they did the same thing with Neo, didn't they? Yeah, she's pulling my shorts. That's why I'm laughing. Didn't uh, Koei Techno make Neo, right? Yeah. And they did yeah. the same thing with Neo, which is a good decision. Because yeah. 60 frames per second, that game is or games like that are required. Right, go ahead and take the podcast cat out. Come on, buddy. I'll feel the dead air till then. All right, next thing. Blizzard have announced the dates for the end of the current season of Diablo 3, as well as the beginning of Season 12. The current season will end on October 20th. And after a short break... Season 12 will begin on November 9th. So, so this next one is going to get your shorts back up. You ready for it? You ready for it? Okay, Mr. Hideo Kojima recently took to Twitter and teased that he is currently working on the script for Death Stranding. What do you mean? <laughs> is the script not done? Yeah, I put that on here knowing that you would say that and then going, I was going to mention that obviously him working on the script gives literally no clue as to where development is for this game. It does it. That means that they haven't even. Well, no, there's a lot of things because you, you got to work on such so much of the core game and get the core gameplay loop up before you really start worrying about what your story is going to be and taking complete performance capture on right. everything. So, I mean, him working on the script, scripts go through a lot of revisions. So I'm not surprised that he's still working on the script. It's just interesting. It makes you wonder, since he's even talking about Death Stranding again, if we see it at PSX at all. And I, I don't even know. I'm torn on whether I want to see it or not. But um, next thing, since do you have anything else you want to add to that? No, I just need Hideo to take his time and perfect that masterpiece of a game that needs to come out. Okay. That masterpiece of a game that you literally know nothing about. Know nothing about. about. But it's Hideo. You know it's about connections, and people will have weird umbilical cord things. Sounds like a game of Connect 4 I played as a kid. 
That'd be a hardcore connect <laughs> for. <laughs> okay, Bandai Namco have announced a new game in the God Eater series. God Eater 3 will be coming to North America for home consoles, though further description was not given, which makes me wonder if Switch is going to be included in this, and that's why they're kind of being coy about the what consoles it's going to be on. Um, this information was released alongside an announcement trailer for the game showcasing a character fighting against the franchise's large enemies that they've come to be known for. And the last thing on this list, Mr., is Capcom have revealed that Dead Rising 4, to no one's surprise, will be making its way to PS4 in the form of Dead Rising 4, Frank's Big Package. This version will include all previously released DLC, as well as an all-new mode called Capcom Heroes, where Frank can dress up as classic Capcom characters and use their abilities to fight against the hordes of zombies in the game. It is set to release on December 5th for $49.99, continuing the trend of complete editions releasing at this more budget-friendly price point. So, you know how they say that he could dress up like other Capcom heroes? Yeah. People are already saying that Dante from NBC Infinite is just Frank with a wig, because he looks that bad. That's that's pretty good, actually. Uh, I like the idea, though. Did you see how ridiculous it looks, but kind of fun? Uh, like you could dress up like Mega Man and shoot. Well, you've always been able to do that to an extent. Uh, on the Dead Rising games? I've, yeah. I've only played they, Dead Rising they, 1. Uh, in Dead Rising 1, there was a Mega Man, like... Nerf blaster that shot little yellow Nerf balls. I'm pretty you sure you get from was. the Toy Story project. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they had his other pieces of equipment laying around. That's cool, but no, I, I like the idea behind this, and I also like seeing that following the trend that uh, Horizon looked to possibly set of a complete edition being forty nine ninety nine. Definitely, when you're getting a game from some kind of timed exclusivity, it makes it even more worth it to try and get it cheaper. So. Are you, why do you keep showing me Dante? Because he looks terrible in Marvel vs. Capcom Ultimate. <laughs> All right, Saul. Well, what I want to talk about real quick before we get into the main topic of the show, which is, of course, as we've already mentioned, brought to us by the readers. We have a bunch of reader mail. Some of it's interesting enough to the point that it deserves a little bit more of a lengthy discussion, so we just figured we'd throw a bunch of them together and make a very reader mail-oriented episode. So before we do that, though, we did put out a tweet on Twitter which, of course, doesn't reach everyone who listens to us. That's why I wanted to go ahead and talk to it on, talk about it on the show a little bit. Uh, some plans, loosely, and they are just plans. We don't know where we're going with them yet. Ideas. Uh, yeah, ideas. Thank you. Not More plans. so than plans. Uh, and Saul loosely brought it up to me yesterday of what do you think? And I was like, you know what? Best way to do it is just to see what the listeners think because it's going to affect them more than anybody. Uh, so what those plans are idea as we as we switched over to what the idea kind of was was the idea of breaking the show up into technically two episodes and the way that it would work is be that the news section that we just completed would be a completely separate episode that we would release on Monday to tie in with new game releases and everything and then on Wednesday we were to release a main topic and what we would do is that the main topic would then be able to be fleshed out a little bit longer uh, and and our idea behind it was that we do, since we started the show, as we absolutely need to and where we feel like the conversation needs to continue, we'll go past an hour. But we really yeah. do try and consciously keep our episodes close to an hour. I feel like that's a sweet spot for, for and the it, main, it, I mean, to an extent, to end the main topic. Yeah, to an extent, it's, it's because of this sweet spot idea of a good time limit. But we also just want to be respectful of people's time. And we want to – I think one of the other things that made me want to keep with the idea of being – as short and sweet and kind of giving about 30 minutes on rough, you know, to a, to a main topic is that it forces me to do my best. And sometimes we still slip up to not to be more mindful of what you're saying in a way to where you're not talking in circles. Right. And that you're getting to the point of what you want to say 
without feeling like you have all the time in the world so that you can get lost in a little more mundane stuff. Makes sense. Um, but, of course, like we say, it affects the listeners and the viewers more than anything. So what we want to do is we wanted to see... With the idea of breaking the news off and letting it be a thing that you could skip if you don't care about the news, because we, of course, know that there are people who don't care about the news. It's just the way the show, it's the way the structure works, and I, I feel like it flows its way best into the topic of the show. Um, but if we were to do this as a completely separate segment that was a roughly 30 minutes and would give us more time to be able to, and I kind of did it today to kind of see how it feel of diving more into the news and what you think about each news piece and diving more into games that are on yeah. the drop, uh, it would allow us to do that without feeling like we're Ramping for time so much. Uh, we have constri- we've we've received uh, suggestions in the past to speed up the news part because some people don't care, and that's part of where this idea came from too. Is if they're separate and you just want to watch the main topic, you can. And then, of course, going to the main topic, if it's its own thing, we can spend anywhere from forty-five minutes to an hour on the main topic and talk at length about it. Now, of course, right. without having to rush or and then yeah, and then of course, if you still it, it gives you an hour long episode so that we're still staying in this hour area for the main topic and or main episodes and never releasing content that's longer. But that doesn't mean that that's going to be the best thing. There are obviously things that could be said. I mean, there are people that like the current format. I, right. I I'm fine with the current format. I love it. Uh, and I think what it may be is that we just what, from what we've seen on Twitter, and I'm going to go ahead and go through that, I'm going to talk about what some people have said to us because what it comes down to is with everything we've said, <clears throat> that's none of it's in terms of making anything easier for us. We just want to try and make it best for the most amount of people. Um, and some people, I mean, as you can see where we currently stand with this uh, nah. poll we put up, uh, like maybe an hour or two before we started recording is what if we had every episode become two parts, one hour for main topic and 30 minutes for news and drop discussion released on two separate days. 27% of people say good idea. 13% of people say terrible idea. 60% of people say mad. Uh, I think some people were afraid on answering until they knew what we were wanting to do it for, yeah. which is hard, really hard to do on Twitter. There's, it is. there's a small character count. And you feel like you're trying to get as much out without taking too much words up. And sometimes it's hard to articulate. But what we've gotten so far is, uh, you know, some people have said it sounds good to them, which is good. I'm glad. Thank you so much for y'all's opinions. Uh, you know, Ryan Trismo Sport, he was saying he's a commute listener. So he's somebody who actually listens when he's in the car and he drives a lot. So he appreciates the length and it gives him something to continue doing. And I know a lot of people that are like that. And I also know people who listen while they're at work. Yeah. So they just want enough content to fill out, to the fill day. out their day. And yeah. that sometimes may mean that us spending so little amount of time on the main topics. Not, it's, not, it's not detrimental to them, but it's just, you know, we could help fill that more. But from what I've seen so far... It seems like a lot of people, and, I, and I'm okay with the idea too, is that maybe we just need to lean up, uh, lenient, like become more lenient on the idea of the show needing to stay around an hour. seems like a lot of people say go longer if needed because one of the issues that comes up with this idea of splitting them up is that sometimes if, if there's not a whole lot going on and we can't do a very good topic, yeah. it'll end up being 30 minutes anyway. Right. Because sometimes it's you're, you're quick- pushing. So if you're trying to aim for more time, it ends up being an issue that you're trying too hard to fill this time and you end up padding it a little bit. But then of course, like, you know, Sean was saying is that some episodes, the main topic is going to lend itself to way more discussion than the 30 minute time frame. So I, I think from what everyone's saying, I still would like to hear everybody's ideas. What I want to say is 
you loosely know the idea, and we've kind of, of course, talked about what the, I don't want to say negatives, but there's flip sides of everything, and there's there's reasons it can be good for one side and reasons not so good for the other. So what we're going to say right now is if you don't follow us on Twitter and you're not uh, you know, responding in this poll, uh, contact us any way that you can. We do, you know, obviously we have triangle squared podcast at gmail.com. You can email us there. Let us know your thoughts on it and uh, how you, how it affects you. And if you think it's a good idea. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say, if we don't get enough of a response to be able to clearly say that one is better than the other, I'm probably just going to go leaning towards letting episodes that need to be long just be long. Yeah. And then, you know, letting other episodes just be around an hour because they'll naturally be around an hour. Yeah, pretty um, much, yeah. It'd be rare that they're still, over it's one too of those long. things. And we, me and Saul talked a lot. If we ever get to a point where we're starting to get early access to games and stuff, sometimes it would be beneficial to us to be able to record stuff in advance get everything ready and then we can release the alongside the embargo dates or release dates of games, stuff like that. Um, but that's all stuff that's way down the road. So we want to do what's best for us at this moment. And then of course, as we continue to go along with this show, we'll continue to look for you guys to give us a clear idea of what is best for the whole community. Yeah. So, and, and to be fairly transparent is that, that I, I asked Brett about this last night and it is more so just to fill content on the channel. There is no, monetary reason behind this. Well, there yeah, is it's no not even necessarily YouTube to feel content. Growth. I mean, it, it is and it isn't. It's to allow the... Because what I kept saying when you mentioned to me yesterday is options are never a bad thing. Yeah. But are they always necessarily needed? Because what this yeah. is is an option. You can skip news if you don't like it. You can skip the main topic if you don't like it, even though I'm, I would imagine that most people watch the show for the main topic. Because that's where we get into the majority of our own thoughts and opinions, which, the you know... The meat and potatoes. Yeah, the meat and potatoes of this show. So, yeah, just... I don't want to spend too much longer on that, but you know a loose right. idea of what we want. And if you want to tweet at us, let us know your ideas, comment us about it. Um, comment on the YouTube videos. If you watch this on YouTube, let us know your thoughts. Uh, and of course, if you don't do either of those and you just listen through iTunes and you don't use Twitter, you can email us if that's, uh, if, if you want to do that, or you can just keep listening. We'll do whatever we need to do to keep going. And so is by no means going to suffer from this. It's just, no, no, it's just the know, idea. I had. We're, we're pretty much about to be 30 episodes in and you know, we just want to make sure that we're doing the best for the listener base. But yeah. speaking of this listener base, we have emails and tweets and all this stuff galore and originally, you know, this morning I tweeted out that we had guys. an idea for a topic of the show, but it wasn't just necessarily gripping me. We actually me. had like three of them. <laughs> yeah, but none of them were just necessarily gripping me or pulling me in any way. So I was like, you know what, let's see what, if anybody's got an idea that just when they say it pops out at me. Um, and it, we got a lot of suggestions and a lot of them were like, like, oh, we could expand on that in a way that goes really big and could be a topic of the show. But I like the idea of just letting this be an episode where... All the reader mail we have, we just go as we go as deep into it as we need to. Yeah, just a fun and and again, right now what we're, this whole episode's te- technically a litmus, a litmus test of what we're talking about doing if you is if we just split it right here and went on. But we're gonna go ahead and take as much time as we need to to get through all of this and see how that feels. Okay, so gonna go ahead and go down to where I actually mentioned that earlier. Let me see, I think it's right there. Okay, so. I'm gonna save this. I'm gonna save this first one for a, a little bit because I don't know if you actually saw some of this stuff. Eh, I don't know who that is. Boy, so that's a loud vibrate. You want to song say real quick? Let me read this real quick. No, you're yeah. You can read it, but I'm not gonna go ahead and that's, choose it. That's certainly a. It's interesting, and I have a, I have things to say one. that I'm curious as to where it's, uh, other people are gonna stand on. 
Um, but Let let's let, let's go quick. over real quick. Let's scroll down here. I did see that one. I let's see. We've was... already talked about Mr. Joe Robinson's request of what are our thoughts on GT Sport. Obviously, I loved it. It looks like Saul likes it, but he's not quite used to the normal sim. Yeah. Or to, the, to, like to, to the sim structure to. of that game specifically. So that's one thing for sure. Uh, Mr. No Fate here, uh, Sean, he says, PSN US currently has a VR game sale, which I shared earlier, actually, uh, for the anniversary of PSVR. We miss out on many sales like this and Humble Bundles, too. How do you feel about the handling of these sales, and how can Sony improve this for everyone in the future? I want to go ahead and say that I think, of course, there's a lot of business side to all this stuff that we just can't know. And... What's going to come down to is that I think as often as possible, if they can try and have these sales work on both levels, it would be a fantastic thing. But there's sometimes it comes down to what rights are available, what license is available. Um, if there's a, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but it's almost the way of the industry. Um, there's always been different prices in different regions. You know, just because you have a sale in one region doesn't mean the region's going to be that you have to put the same game on sale for the same amount in a different region because then why do you not just control the game price in every region and go, okay, well, the PS4 is $400 and your PS4 Pro is $400 in US, but it's $500 almost in Canada. Oh, you're right. And even, even more. In and it's just, probably. yeah, to an extent, you can't control that. Now, missing on the humble bundles is very interesting. And I actually did not know that. Um, what the so, IGN uh, purchased them? Wait, what? Oh, you're, I'm talking about the actual humble bundle, like the actual bundle. No, bundle. I'm just talking yeah, about bumble. humble bundles. Are just this thing you see where they they get a bunch of games together and you buy, it and that money, if I'm not mistaken, goes towards uh, charity. Yeah, yeah. Stuff IGN like that. bought that. IGN bought that humble service. bundle. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. With that. Well, well, a lot of people are kind of scared, but. No, scared is reasonable. It's a business. Well, it's, it's what it comes down to yeah, in every... In a lot every of people way. were saying that uh, since IGN has all the advertisement, they're worried about any information you had tied to that could be sold to advertisers. Well, so, who knows? It's interesting. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I think it... I doubt, extent, I doubt anything would come from that. It, it's I mean, hard to see, but I mean, if, you if, if anything, IGN's very big. They're one of the yeah. biggest news sources, so... What it may do is just make Humble Bundle be more out there in people's faces because even though you hear about Humble Bundles, for example, of, I've never bought one. I haven't either. And I know about Cause, them. Because those, like, you can actually, like, bid a penny on some games, right? Yeah. And just get it for a penny. But that's, then, that's, that's, that's what goes to charity. Yeah, I, don't, sure. I don't want to say that I have a complete understanding because I've not participated. Speaking of PC games, I beat Cuphead this week, by the way. I forgot. I totally forgot to mention that. Oh, oh, cool. I did not know that. Is it pretty short? Uh, it's about, about eight and a half hours long. That's not bad. Worth it 20 bucks though. So yeah, I mean, I, I do think that to an extent, I mean, it would have been nice to see them do an, a PSVR sale for Europe, even if it's not the same games. And I'm not implying that you were implying that they needed to be the same games. It's just, things are always going to be a little different. Uh, now it would have been nice for them to take over the one year sale, even though I don't know, did, that's one thing I'm not sure of, Saul. Can you look that up for me? When did PSVR release in Europe? Was it a worldwide worldwide release on October I think 13th? So. I think it was too. Uh, and if so, uh, 13 October. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it is the same. So yeah, it would have been nice to see Sony have a way to pull it in and marketing, uh, which of course helps them and it helps the people who own one. Um, and then the other thing is, is I don't think you even have to do the complete VR version of this. One example is you could get resident evil seven very cheaply. You don't even have to have VR. It's just because that game is so intrinsically is tied that, to VR. Is that game good enough to buy? Seven? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, I, I need to buy that, especially during this particular month, because me and Annie are probably going to replay Until Dawn. And you're wanting that uh, you want that sweet, sweet, scary game to play? We got that Amnesia Collection, though, boys. 
Yeah, I forgot about. It. I haven't downloaded that. I need to because I've never played the Amnesia games, but they look I, super weird. I played them back on computer like four, maybe five years back ago. when they first came back, out. Actually, back when I lived at home, my parent, uh, my my dad, uh, super creepy of games back then. How they hold up now? Hard to say. Hard to say because there's been other games that have kind of pulled that medium forward. Oh, so yeah. yeah, I mean, no fate. That's just I, I, I hate to say it's the way of the injury of the injury of the industry, um, but I think that you're not going to see anything really come from that because there's too many people that. Sony have to work with, and if that if they can't work with the people in that territory, they can't put a game on sale. And if there's not a big enough list of games to put on sale, you don't want to call it a sale. You know what I mean? It's, it, it gets a little weird, and I'm sure there may be a, li- a little bit of business side that we're not necessarily thinking of. Uh, but that's you know my stance on it for the time being. Uh, one of Son Sanarud, another Son. Um, his is what happened to Sony and indie games? Doesn't seem to be the push there was before or a big indie title on the horizon. So I have a little bit of a, of a back and forth on this because I don't think I'm going to go ahead and say Gideon, one of our longtime listeners, he responded with, they got arrogant again, PS3 launched Sony's back. I want to back up from that personally a little bit. Half and half. We are not seeing full on PS3 launch Sony. And I don't, I I mean, I, I have not even seen, real real branches out to that sony that sony had so much hubris and so much arrogance i guess is the best word that's not what we're seeing now because if to an extent what you're seeing with sony is that while there's not as big a push for indie titles i think partially is because indie is no longer this weird side thing Indie's almost part of the normal culture, it I would was, say. It, so to an extent, Indie's part of the industry now. It's part of the normal market. Now, they are they still exist separate, and people still look at Indie games, but they're more accepted now than they've ever been. I want to say that Indie games have always been, or you know, helping out the Indie developers has always been somewhat of a marketing ploy to me. Because well, it's, no, like, I mean, it is. it's like, let's carry up the underdogs here to make us look better, which, of course, I'm not saying there's anything bad about that. No, Because Indie developers need that. They need that. that, that yeah, it's that, a mutual that, relationship. Right. And I just think that what Brett said, that they have gotten so big, they don't need that anymore, necessarily. I mean, they do to an extent. Stardew Valley, I, I everybody, very, that's a household name now. That's, that's true. the biggest indie game currently out right now. Well, I saw an that. article this morning when I was sco- scanning through for news real quick to make sure there wasn't anything big that I would miss if I just didn't look through this morning. Yeah. And one of them was a, uh indie developer saying that they feel that the PS4 and Xbox One has pushed indie games to be even better because indie games have gotten to the point where they're so accepted now that... Indie games used to just kind of get by by being indie and being small because there wasn't that big of a market, but we've seen such a big explosion of them on PS4 and three six, uh, PS4 and Xbox One that now you have to actually do something special again because uh, there was a point in time where. Uh, you know, that 8-bit style was coming back, and you didn't even yeah. have to be a good game. It was like the games just sold. Right. Because, because everybody was doing that, because it was just installed drive. But now you're not seeing that. Games can come out, and they can flounder if they're not doing something interesting. I will say, though, that uh, I'm going to reference this twice, but this being a PlayStation podcast, the Switch actually has become the home of a lot of great indie titles. And the when flip side of say, that is, is Vita. I want to talk about that, yeah, too. So, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was going to say, when people say that um, the Switch has no games, they they haven't really looked at the library because they have a ton of indie games on there. Yeah, it's the Honestly, same as... Honestly, it, it's, 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 it's almost with the, the Vita, where it has great flagship, uh, flagship titles, well, in its current state, and then it has great indie games. Yeah, 
And it just depends on your taste. Yeah, and Lucy, what you're saying is the same argument that, you know, there are people that say Switch has no games. There are people that say PlayStation have no games, but I've told a million people there are games, there are multiple games literally every week. Every week we do this drop, I've never seen a drop that doesn't have a Vita game. A Vita game, if yeah. it's a normal drop. Now, you know, around Christmas, the drop can be completely empty or be really small, it's but be completely empty. <laughs> a normal, a normal drop has at least three Vita games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sometimes they're Vita exclusives, you know, sometimes yeah. they're cross platform or whatever. Um, but I want to say that. And then the other thing I want to say is that where Sony has loosened up a little bit on the indie side of trying to push indie developers, I think what we've seen Sony do even better this gen uh, as they've continued to morph is to let games that otherwise may not have been able to thrive in this kind of market work on this market. Some of that has to do with the decisions they made, which put the console in enough households to where these niche games can survive. But I think games like Nier Automata uh, is a great example. And games like, um, and even games that have had a little bit of, Back and forth, uh, New Star Ocean. You know, we didn't necessarily love it. You, I think you liked it even less than I did. Oh, what is it? Hopelessness and faithfulness. Uh, why? Why'd you say that? I have it still. One second. I know it's it's something. Faithlessness. Faithlessness and something. Yeah, but regardless, yeah, it wasn't too great for me. It was an interesting game, um, but it wasn't exactly what I was hoping it would be. And it is what it is. But I think these smaller games are seeing a chance to thrive on PS4. So you're seeing Sony go away from indie because indie's in a good spot right now, and these. I don't want to say mid-tier release, but these games that are still can be big from smaller developers are seeing more of a limelight and seeing a chance to actually thrive on this console. So all you're doing is seeing them push one out and for, push the to, other push, in. to push another in. And yeah. I think they're both lower-brow games. Um, it's almost like you know they're just handling the indie of actual – and I won't say indie because indie is a very weird word to try and describe sometimes. It is. Uh, um, that's why I said half and half. I think it's Sony not caring enough to push, but I think they're doing it for another reason too for these other games. Yeah. Because I think yeah. it's you know parts of old Sony, parts of new Sony. And now there's a lot of conversation on this on, on this Gideon, Sean Sanderud thing, and I, I, for some reason it's not all showing up. Uh, but – it's fine. There's a lot of conversation between Gideon on this. He was very active on this this morning, which is good. I haven't seen from him in a little yeah, while. Yeah, so good, good to, to see you, Gideon. Uh, so let's see. Is there anything else? Oh, I thought this one was an interesting question. Uh, what was your experience playing online play, uh, multiplayer for the first time? I was really trying to think back to the first time I played an online multiplayer game. And while I think it's probably impossible for me to actually nail that down, because, I mean, technically, I guess I'd say RuneScape, no, but I that's have, not technically, I don't I think, it. the multiplayer he's talking about. But what do you, what's yours? So this is where I, this is number two where I harken back to another system, and that would be Halo. Xbox Halo Two. I'll never forget the day that our friend Adam brought over an Xbox to uh, our friend Seth's house, and we hooked it up online because he had had online before, and nobody else in our neighborhood had, and we played, and it was so fun. We played for like three or four hours, but the first time I actually had online. I was a dumb little boy. I did not know that you could just plug in an Ethernet cable to an Xbox 360 and get online and have internet. Yeah. So I did. I got. I did that. Had an Xbox One like month trial code. Started up Halo Three. The first night, I'll never forget it. It was a Friday night. It was me, Jesse Buchanan, De- like, and a couple other people. We played for twelve and a half hours of Halo Three. Man, we, we started around. Around nine thirty ish, did not stop playing until about ten a.m. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, I would say for me, because I didn't play a lot of online multiplayer games on consoles. Um, mine harken mainly back to MMORPGs like RuneScape, Silk Road Online, Guild Wars, stuff like that. Those are probably some of my first experience of the same thing. There was a summer where all I did, and it was a summer between eighth and ninth grade. I'm fairly positive. 
or it might have been between seventh and eighth. But what it was is me and Devin would wake up every morning at tw- every day at twelve noon, go skateboard for like five hours, screw around, go to GameStop, do my stuff, come back home, eat, fall asleep on his couch for like an hour because we deprive ourselves. I'd go back home, eat dinner with my family eventually, and then I would hop on around eight or nine, and I would stay on from eight or nine until six in the morning every Jeez, day on Silk Road the, Online. The good old days. Um, and that was every night that entire summer. And it was funny because every night before I went to sleep, or every morning before I went to sleep, my stepdad was waking up to go to work, and I'd be in there making me a bowl of cereal before I went to sleep, and he'd be making him a pimento cheese sandwich that he takes with him for lunch. Ugh. And I just I remember that very vividly. Um, so it was a whole summer of that. But if I'm going to go on to when I actually first started playing console multiplayer games, I would say, I want to say Resistance. No, no, Fear on the 360. Oh, that was a good game. Fear. Speaking of Monolith, they made that. The same people that made Shadow of War. Um, Did they really? Yeah. I, I didn't like the uh, the visuals for Fear, but it was a really good game. Oh, I love and that by game. visuals, I mean the glossiness that everything had. It yeah. was almost like uh, the original. It was a very early Prey. 360 title. Yeah, it was like the original Prey, and the original yeah. and Doom Three, where it was just real shiny. Everything yeah. was real shiny. Yeah, they like it, everybody looked really oily. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and everything was just slick. Yeah, but I played that game a lot. Uh, but on PlayStation, going to give you one more answer. On PlayStation, it was probably Resistance One, is where I spent a good amount of that time. Uh, Halo just never did it for me, and I never played online on those. I just normally played with other people, like, you know, doing system connection and whatnot when I did play Halo. Okay, so going to the main one, uh, and man, there's a lot, there's a, a lot, a lot to say about this one. Uh, and some, I want to just talk about what people are saying themselves, and then, of course, what this is. So, Mr. Ryan, Turismo Sport, says, How do you feel about PSN changing its terms of use to include the banning of accounts for hate speech, in quotation? Uh, And he says, you know, I'm going to go through the rest of his stuff. He says, It bums me out that they do not support the First Amendment. It's a slippery slope from here, and I dread where this leads. Then he sent me a screenshot of some of what he's talking about. And I mentioned that I wanted to look up a bigger, a better breakdown of what the stuff was and what it was asking for. And he said, don't worry, there isn't any. Uh, and it looks like that's just one of these big things right now is that we're seeing this happen. And I think it's as a response to something that had to have been happening. It looks like what you're looking at is from 2013. So this like is something that's been a then, loose yeah. problem that maybe Sony finally was like, you know what, we need to include our, to, to show that if it goes too far, we'll do this. Um, <clears throat> So I said, you know, he said, don't worry, there's not anything. He said, I don't know exactly what can be said or not that will result in being banned from PSN, nor do we know who is deciding it, which is all big, big deal. So where I stand on this particularly, I want to go first and kind of break down the screenshot he shared yeah. of what it's saying is and isn't. So says the following agreements and policies were updated. You must review and accept them before continuing. You may not engage in deceptive or misleading practices. You may not abuse or harass others, including stalking behavior. You may not take any action or upload, post, stream, or transmit any content, language, images, or sounds in any forum, communication, public profile, or any other public viewable areas, or in the creation of any online ID that SIE, LLC, SIEA, or its affiliates find in their sole discretion, offensive, hateful, or vulgar. This includes any content or communication that that SIE, SIEA, or its affiliates deem racially, ethnically, religiously, or sexually offensive, libelous, 
defaming, threatening, bullying, or akin to stalking. You may not organize hate groups, and you may not upload, post, stream, or transmit any content that contains any viruses, worms. That one makes sense, actually. That right. one, I mean, that one's very cut and dry as to why that wouldn't exist. So, going over this, there's some discussions he's had on here of, you know, what constitutes hate speech. Uh, it is a very good question of who is deciding. Is it an algorithm? Is there somebody that's looking at these reports and breaking it down and seeing? And his worries spring mainly from the conversations <clears throat> of that there are games from what he's saying. And I don't know because I don't play these. I haven't played these games myself yet, but I did see him the other day of uh, there are games that encourage this behavior. Now I myself don't quite know about that. I, I just, you know, I looked and see, I, I don't know if this is anything to you. What did you find something? <laughs> no, I just, I just keep on going. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, let man. me look real quick. He says, uh, in the division, you can steal other players' gears and weapons in the dark zone if you want to try. Same goes for Grand Theft Auto Online. And to an extent, I think what it's saying is the dark zone, you can kill other players and take their gear, which is something very akin to RuneScape, obviously. Oddly enough, we were talking about that, um, called The Wild, where you could lure. Yeah, like and, and that was part of an issue, too, where they eventually banned The Wild for a little bit because there were people getting other players to follow them out there that were newer players and killing them just so they'd lose all their stuff. Um which was a big problem, and it sounds like this one's more encouraged. Like, hey, if you go out there, you know there's an issue with it. Um, then he he goes on to say, we targeted a guy once on Xbox Live because he started running his mouth for no reason, literally. So we followed him into three different games, made him miserable enough to apologize for running his mouth, then broke it down for him and sent him a friend's request. It's how we dealt with it. Which I think is very interesting. That's that is a, super interesting. So I, I, I want to be sure, and I didn't respond to this. I meant to. Are you saying that you guys are friends now? Yeah. <laughs> like, or at least you were friends for a little bit after that. And by games, I hope <laughs> you mean like rounds that y'all played with him and not separate games. Because if your boy hopped off Destiny, you popped in Destiny and followed him to Destiny. I think that's I'd what he's you. saying, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is what it is, but. Um, no, I'm just saying if somebody, if somebody did that to me, like that's instant like blocking. Yeah. If, if somebody's following me game to game. I'm going to pop in like the Burger King game on Xbox 360. And if you pop that in, <laughs> something's weird because I'm the only person that's playing it. Why do you have all these games in? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so some more of his stuff was, I don't see the point in adding this. I asked PlayStation for a more detailed list or explanation of what qualifies as hate speech and received nothing back. Gideon, this is where he, you know, we I, saw I was, a lot of responses from I, I Gideon. I was just poking fun, by the way, right? I'm, uh, mostly it's serious. just not being an ass when playing online. But you're right, it's a slippery slope. Like, is teabagging considered vulgar? So this... This is the point I wanted to get to in this is that I think this when is you're all- dealing with all of this, I, I don't think that this is cause for concern personally. Um, and I know that was a long lead into this, but I feel like I needed well, to mention these things. So I don't think that this is cause for concern. One of the other things around Trisma says is that kids are constantly saying terrible stuff on Mike. All they are going to be, uh, are they all going to be banned? Is it just unclear? And I don't think it can be clarified. I don't think this is meant to be clarified, and I think what it comes down to is they want it to be mysterious. They want it to be very it's, vague it's because kind of they you. want not even to scare you. I don't think it's. I think it's so that they can handle each thing on a case by case basis. Well, I was going to say they they want to leave it vague on purpose, just so you don't know what they're looking for, so you don't know what to not do. Like if they say if you're say language, then it's like, well, are they saying gestures? Because then I can go do that. Or if they say gestures, then you can say, well, I could do language. So I mean, maybe, maybe. Um, but my issue is though is I know I know what they can't do, and what they don't do is they don't record audio. 
they don't record video, there's no way that Sony themselves could verify a report that somebody placed on you unless it's a written message. Yeah. And they, so that's and the only thing you should have to be concerned or if about. You, or if you screenshot. Because you can screenshot. You'd have to. Up- and you can, go, well, you, can, you can go back to your 15 minutes of gameplay and look at pretty much anything. Well, you'd have to upload that somewhere, though, right? Like, you'd have to upload it to your online saves for Sony to see it. I guess whenever you... I haven't reported anybody, but I, I'm fairly positive. You know, like, whenever you get an error report and it's like, hey, if you have any screenshots or whatever, include them in this. I've never... No, I've never had that kind of error. That's only... I mean, that's only whenever I've had, like, a, where a game crashed and it's like, this game crashed. Include screenshots if you want and send a message to the developer. <laughs> I've never seen a game say that to me before. Really? I, I, I may that. not have paid attention. So I, would imagine that, I would imagine that the report side of, of these games like this are also like that. Uh, to where if you wanted to and you're the one reporting and you have proof that you see on your end, then you can send it. I don't know. There could be legal reasons they can't use that either. I'm not really sure. But a couple of things I wanted to touch on specifically with what Ryan is talking about is that them not supporting the First Amendment is almost irrelevant because different countries, different countries, and they cannot they don't know. I mean, the way that these online services work, somebody from Japan could be hassling you. Somebody from Europe could be hassling you. Somebody from Canada, places where the first amendment doesn't even come into play. Um, you could say, oh yeah, these are all, you know, bigger things where for the most part, freedom of speech is a thing in most, you know, modern civilizations that are any kind of real big. Uh, and I guess what you want to say is, you know, first world countries, yeah. most of them have some form of freedom of speech without any kind of recommendation. But, with that being said, there's no way to control them. I mean, if you're playing with someone from Brazil, they can't, they're not, they're not going to be like, oh, First Amendment, because that doesn't apply to both parties. Uh, the secondary thing I want to say is that uh, they're actually kind of, if we want to go off of the American side of things, they are kind of protect, protected by what capitalism is. And this is their service. They completely run it. They control what is and isn't on it. So it's, it's up to them to, contr- to decide what is and isn't hate speech. Now... Going into my main thing about I don't think this is cause for concern is I think this is something that they needed to include to a show people, definitely parents and other people that it's not it's not going to be something that they constantly see ran into. And if it is something that kids run into, that they will be dealt they will be dealt with accordingly. Right. I think it's part of it. It's about making their online service look more attractive to people who aren't quite sure if it's safe. Right. Because they're all for the kids right now. That's yeah, whole, and I think I, I don't. I, I don't know that I want to say this goes all the way back into their marketing switch, but it very well could. Yeah. Um, and all that being said, it also comes to the point where they don't want anybody to want to turn away from their system from things that they could have easily dealt with on their side by going, "Hey, you broke our terms of service. This is what you did. Now we right. have rights to ban you." And, I, and the only way that I think that you will be caught is in a message. And I mean. <sighs> Well, now you're just, yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know. No, no, I'm just saying, like, like there's no way that they, they don't film what you're doing. They don't, like, unless somebody screenshots you doing something. And then even then, well, it's like, wouldn't you can't that change per country? That's what I mean. Where do, what do you mean? What, what I'm talking about, like, somebody's teabagging you. Well, but I'm saying, right, but, can, yeah, but I'm saying, like, wouldn't the legal bounds of what they can and can't record change per country? That's where I'm, I'm lost on this. And does the legal side of that I hold think, off of the country that does that? So let's say Sony's headquarters well, that's, that's, are in Japan. Well, that's the agreement thing you're signing onto. Is you're agreeing to their terms, despite your country, you're now in contract with them to go by their rules. Yeah, so that kind of nulls your country. That's what I'm wondering. So that are country. you sure I'm, that I'm their sure. rules are saying that they cannot record you and will not record you? I'm saying they don't have the technology for that. 
There is no way that would for everybody's PS4 to be currently recording something that would take up billions of terabytes. Well, I mean, not currently recording, but there could be ways where they, you know, like your your PlayStation does the last fifteen minutes of activity where they can dig into that. If you report something within a timely manner, they can dig back in. And look. I don't think nobody has the manpower for that. I don't think Google even. <sighs> I don't know. Has the manpower I don't know. I mean, I really don't know because I don't even know if that's manpower or if that becomes computer power at that point. You know. Um, I I would hope not because that's what YouTube is facing now with those stupid algorithms that the bots are basically flagging videos, demonetizing everything. And it's literally just an algorithm. It's literally an algorithm. It's less human interaction than ever. Yeah, and and it's an issue. But, I mean, going on to what he's saying, yes, there's a lot of things that could be considered vulgar, could be considered terroristic. And it's it's really hard to kind of catch them. So I don't think you have any cause for concern because if you're teabagging, you screenshot it. You're just really like you're either going to be up above somebody or crouching on them. How like that? You can't really prove your teabagging replays. Now, see, I don't know. See, that's the thing. Is <laughs> but that, like, it's not about whether you can get caught. What I right, want to say well, is well, about like, what happens because let's say that he does something that somebody wants to consider, uh, you know, malicious. But that's basically what it comes down to. If you're doing anything with malicious intent, I don't think games. I, I I don't think games like what you're saying with Grand Theft Auto Online and. Tom Clancy's a division when you go in the dark zone. I don't think that mechanics that encourage you to do things that some people could get miffed at and mad at are going to be scrutinized under this. I think this is literally for people who are consistently harassed, which does happen on this network. It happens on all online services. Racist communities of When you're dealing with racism, I don't think it's going to be that if you just one second you say the N-word, or, you know, not you, but let's say somebody says the N-word to you, right? Uh, in the heat of a, of a, a game, doesn't make it right, but I don't think it's going to come into that. I mean, if they're if they're leaving because they, for some reason they just know you're black, or somehow you you approve to them that you're black and that word means something to you, and they follow you outside of the game and they send you messages after message saying that you're an N word and using racial slur after racial slur, that's where I feel like this comes into play. This is to keep, this is to keep from harassment, right, going too far because you are right. I think that anybody who plays a lot of online games, definitely shooter games, are aware that when they get into these lobbies and if they have voice chat on, they're going to hear some things because it's just not. I think it's a little toxic it's, personally. It's an, it's an anonymous platform in a way that you can get on and speak. Yeah, and, and people what are you want people are way more willing to say crazy things in the in the heat of the moment in the game. Look at 4chan. I mean, even 4chan B, the anonymous board on there, you don't have. And technically, not every board is really like that way. But you don't have any way of of saying who you are. You don't have a username tied to you. You have a random number that's different every time you post. That's where some of the vilest internet used to come from, and now it's yeah. kind of like the norm. And I mean, it's not to say that any of this is right, but I don't think that this is going to be them cracking down in weird ways. Now, I think where the cause for concern starts is if they is if we start seeing PlayStation cracking down on people who are not doing anything outside of what we would consider to be relatively normal online behavior. I would say part of the culture of (sighs) online games. Yeah, of course, and I agree. And there, and of course, I mean, I do like agree that that kind of stuff is taunting. That stuff. I don't even want to say toxic. Teabagging is just that. It's stupid to me. It's just culture, though. But yeah, it, it's stupid to me. But I mean, I don't. I'm not going to sit there and be like, "Oh, this person's harassing oh, no, me because yeah. they teabag me." I can tell you one person who's been triggered by that and who's breaking controllers over teabaggers. You know, I mean, you don't have to say his name, but you could guess. And it, we, we don't talk to him anymore. But he is teabagging. Set this person off. And it was. So I don't know who this is, but funny. I need to know. You will after the podcast. That's funny. Name starts with a C. We will find out. You should know if you guess it. Just think back to five years ago. Well, we'll, anyways, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this later. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, Joe broke a controller playing Iron Banner. <laughs> did he really? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Okay. Sorry to throw you out there, Joseph. 
Oh, that's funny. I, I laughed so hard. He's like, I'm down to one controller now. So, yeah, I mean, Gideon had a lot of things. Uh, like Gideon said if they're reported, perhaps, it'll probably be on a case-by-case basis, which is exactly what I think. I think that this is exactly what he mentioned. It's just not being asshole when you're online, and that what we mean is not being an ass outside of the normal bounds of what people online culture do. And it, well, um, it, it kind of goes back to the dude who... But it's call- like Facebook. You don't... You can do people put crazy things on this is just an example. People put crazy things on Facebook and don't get don't get any kind of post block or anything or any kind of ban, but then randomly one thing will happen. It's just a case by case nature and if they can look and see what you were doing and see that there was no if it wasn't just playful, you know, heat of the moment stuff that you normally see in these ultra competitive online games that are very high risk. Right. Or not high risk, but very high tension. Why they can't be rated by the ESRB. Yeah. And now, yeah, because online, every game says that online interactions can't be rated because you don't know what's going to happen online. Now, with that being said, this is just Sony's way of going. If something that's too out of the blue is happening, someone really won't leave you alone. Right. Like, you know, we're talking, I mean, I guarantee there's, there's people who go, they're not leaving me alone because we're in, you know, they messaged me once, I messaged them back, they messaged me again. That could be considered harassment if you really wanted to, but I don't think if you didn't go out of your way to continue messaging them, that Sony would really, like, you know, end up coming down on you. Now, if you're spending a week constantly messaging this person, that is stalker, that, that, that gets into stalkerish territory. Well, and you can also use that report system as a, as a, as a hand in a fight. Uh, like three episodes ago, I mentioned that somebody in Destiny One called me a faggot because it was we were, it was me, Joe, and him playing a strike, and we could not revive them because we were about to die anyways. And then we wiped and we restarted the checkpoint, and then he left and this that. So I immediately just reported him and then blocked him. And it's like if you're gonna do that to me over something this petty, I'm gonna put your account in jeopardy because you're just an asshole. That's how it works and for see, me. And I think within, I mean, and, and also but, to keep other people from having to deal with that because that's yeah, ridiculous. Because you know? That's not the, like him doing that to us because he did it to both me and Joe. He had no idea we were friends because he, he texted that so fast after we all died. There's no way he, he had time to check both of our friends list and see we're both friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that just tells me that's his common behavior. And when it's now, that, I will that, say when, it's, you're, when you're just like that, like going back I'm going to fight you back in a way. Going back into one more thing I want to mention about harassment, and it's a thing I've seen recently, and there's a couple of games that have this. Uh, games like um, Rainbow Six Vegas. I mean, not Rainbow Six Vegas. I'm sorry. Rainbow Six Siege. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay, Rainbow Six great Siege. Great game. Um, I mean, not my type of game, but great game Should for be. those who like it. Uh, I'd play it with you. But what it comes down to is what is considered harassment. This is the only one I don't know, and I think that there'd be cause for banning, uh, which I think you, you get banned within the, the, the realm of the game, but would it go all the way to account ban? That would be interesting to see. There are people who player kill on that, and if you player kill, kill enough, enough times, times yeah. then they ban your account from the game, and I think it's always temporary. I don't know if they've ever gotten to a point where it's permanent. Um, but would that be allowed to also go to your PlayStation Network account? Probably And not. if so... Is it really wrong for them to do that? Because that is harassing people who are trying to play the game within the normal means of the game. Yeah, and that's that's too much manpower for Ubisoft to... Go to Sony with a game with a list of tags. Like, well, I don't even mean that. I don't think it'd be Ubisoft. I think it'd be if somebody reports the it, say Ubisoft catches them, they delete, they do it on their side, but somebody also reports that behavior to Sony, and Sony reviews it and goes, "That's ridiculous." Ban. Oh yeah. So See, Ubisoft and Sony never have to talk in well, that particular it, situation. I don't know. That's I, I guess the, the the concern on what who decides what is what is a is a realistic concern, but I think that you only really start to worry about it. If you start to see Sony act on this stuff, I do think this is partially a cover their butt because there's been a lot of things on here on PlayStation in general. There was a point in time where terrorists had said they used the PlayStation fours to communicate 
to set up a terrorist attack. Which is... Uh, that was never proven. Yeah. And I don't know if Sony could even prove it, but it, I think that some of this just becomes that if they don't have anything, they look like they're just not necessarily complicit, but they weren't doing anything to actively dissuade you from doing it. Well, my service. whole thing is is that if you go, if you scroll down... Uh, we clicked on his profile picture. Why, why are you clicking on either stuff? Either Gideon or Ryan said that there's too much coddling in this day and age, and there is. It was Gideon. It was Gideon. It was, okay, and there is. like That's the thing is that like there are too many crybabies, and like I didn't report the dude because he called me a faggot because it offended me or made me like... like like oh man that kind of hurt my feelings no it's like you're gonna be an asshole to me i'm gonna be an asshole back to you and <laughs> which i'm gonna actually say that's not the right reason now i mean you did it and well, i'm, well, yeah, I'm not that's, judging that's you thing. to do it but i mean it's like if you're gonna be an asshole to me and then you're gonna be an asshole to my friend you do this on a regular basis so i'm gonna go ahead and report you in hopes you get banned and you see now that's my thing mine's not with the militia to do that mine's the thing of, that was not everybody ever done that. that's the only time i've ever done it though. See, now, i would have reported them for that but that's because what about other people who are just doing what they want to do who can't handle that quite as well? well, no, that, that, now, well that, and that's that factored thing, in. Again, if it's all big things, I report them, but also I wouldn't, it, it's hard to say, I wouldn't expect them to be permanently banned, but I would hope that the report would somehow get back down to them and make them think about what they did. But if this goes too far, then of course you run the chance of not even letting anybody get a chance to change. I think, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big deal. And I think, again, I just want to step back and personally see what happens. Yeah, and see, like that's the whole because thing. that's it's going to take time. We're not going to know the the ramifications of this up front. There's no way to even guess how this is going to affect things. Yeah, it's going to come down to what Sony actually does with this information, or if this is just legal. They needed it in their terms of service to cover their butts for for families. legal reasons, and also to look more appealing because it's a business. Look more appealing to family. Yeah, um, and see, like I'm not saying you should abuse the report system by saying, "Oh, this dude made me mad. I'm going to report him." It's the whole thing of like this is a toxic attitude. And you did it to me and somebody else within 10 minutes and, or not even 10 minutes, like within 30 seconds, we both got that message. Um, as a matter of fact, he just added us to a group and then just sent it that way. Oh, uh, so he didn't even need to go through the personal of dealing they with didn't both even, He did it that fast that he just added us both to a group and just said, uh, he just said it twice. Um, and it's just kind of like, you know what, dude, like you just, for no reason, did message like what happened, didn't do nothing like that. You just jumped the gun and, and insulted us. But I do agree that there is too much coddling in this in this realm of gaming, where it's well, I mean, it's, it's you're getting offended by stuff that you should never be offended by, and that's what they mean by that. I'm 99 percent sure that like there's so much stuff going on that you get offended and then triggered, and then you don't want to deal with it, so you kind of hide yourself away by doing stuff like that. Um, I don't think that that is really what happens a lot of the time when people get banned. I think it's just like you're going to be an asshole to me, like you don't deserve to play. Is some of the yeah. mentality, I don't and know. then I mean, like I that was my kid, so I'm gonna report and him. And that's the bigger thing mentality. is what parents do. That's gonna yeah. be where it comes in. But I want to move on. Because I knew that there was one for some reason that didn't fall into my main one. It was because it was part of the re right. tweet. Uh, Steve Bitto, he actually emailed us too. So we're gonna talk about both of his real quick. Yeah. Uh, his short one that's actually, I mean, I think it's it's an interesting conversation is DLC and how it's evolved. Uh, and he says loot boxes, microtransactions, story DLC, pay to win, etc. We've talked about that at pretty much ad nauseum on this show uh, yeah. and I don't know how many episodes you've gone back to listen to it has been a little bit of a hot topic lately with Star Wars Battlefront and Shadow of Mordor and Saul's at one point slight overreaction to Shadow of Mordor before he realized that it could technically be avoided yeah, we've I talked thought, about it a lot yeah. we've talked about Call of Duty so I mean where I stand on this very short and sweet to the point on this one is that 
DLC's been around for a long time. I don't think story DLC is anything big to complain about. Story, story DLC is fine. It You've is. seen it in games all the way back to, I mean, one of the earliest examples I saw of it uh, that really, I mean, that you could see was back Morrowind on PC. And I, I don't know if that's Blood true Moon. on Xbox, but it was, uh, it wasn't Blood Moon. I wish you wouldn't have said that. I can't remember the name of the two now, but they had two expansions for that game. Uh, Tribal, or Tribune, something like that. Elder Scrolls Three, Morrowind, Tribune, and then the other one was something to do with werewolves. I want to say Tribune Blood Moon. werewolves. I don't think it was called Blood Moon, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just one of those things. Eh, what's it called? We'll see. I mean, hold on, Blood Moon. Okay, so Saul's right. Anyway, uh, I, I, had, mean, I had that on three or on your Xbox. Yeah, I never had it on the original Xbox. Original I played that Xbox. game on, on on PC. So. Say right now, not a good game. I don't care what I, I don't care what kind of hate I get. Morrowind is not a good game. Morrowind is a great game with odd mechanics. It, no, it's just no. Nah. The story's it's, great. It's one of those games that I came into. The story's great. Way after I should have. Okay, if, well, if I, I, went back, I played if it. I came at it if, if I came at it at release, and I probably would have liked it a lot well, better. I mean, the, I played it after I played Oblivion. Yeah. Uh, so oh like, God. Yeah. yeah. No. Because Oblivion combat. actually went to where if you swung, you hit as long as you yeah, would have hit. Where, you Whereas know, it happens Mor- in life. Morrowind was a dice roll that was more D and D given, where it was like you swing, we're gonna roll a dice to see if you even hit. If you hit, then you do this much damage. It was a weird thing, and then it was. Much more a game of D&D in an actual world. I still love the game. Best story of the whole series, in my opinion. Uh, maybe not necessarily told in the best way, but the most interesting story. But huh. we've seen story DLC all over the place. We've seen microtransactions for a long time, obviously. Pay to win's been a worry as soon as we started seeing microtransactions come into the games because what's the quickest way to want to get people to spend money? Tie something that helps them win into this money system. Sure. Now, we've said it many times. Pay to win is not good. Pay to win is no. not good for anything. And it's a big deal with Star Wars Battlefront 2. And I understand why people are a little bit worried about that and the fact that there's anything tied in that could give you some kind of competitive edge. It's unfair. It's unfair to those people who don't have that kind of money to spend. It's just, you know, we have used the word anti-consumer a couple times and that sometimes it's hard to say that to me is anti-consumer. That falls into my personal definition of anti-consumer because at that point you really are keeping people from doing something. You're charging 60 bucks for a game and then you're throwing more stuff in there. And, you know, to break off of story DLC, endings to games that are tied behind DLC is another big deal. Uh, And I always go to 2008 Prince of Persia is my go-to game where you had the ending of the game, which was a fine ending, but knowing that the actual end was based on a DLC that you had to buy... It just ruined it. I want to say there's another game, game like that I played. Where I want to say there is too, but was was retconned the original ending. I can't think of what that is. Yeah, I don't know. I want to say Mass was Effect it a Three. Fable? No, 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 no. Had something to do. Mass Effect Three did have a weird indoctrination theory, but there was a Fable game, Fable Two, Fable One. No, 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 no. I, I don't remember know. Fable One, and the, the you could become Jack of All Blades, but um, Jack of Blades, Jack of Blades. But, jack of all trades. <laughs> I said jack of all blades. I know, um, but I'm saying that's, that's where you got jack of all blades from. I want to say it was Fable 2. I don't know. Maybe Fable 3. I, I'm not sure. I don't think I played Fable 2. I didn't play Fable much. 3. I didn't play Fable 2's DLC if it had Fable 2 was yet. so good, dude. Best Fable game there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can't I, say that because I didn't play much of 3, but it's better than 3. <laughs> 
All right, and then I'm going to go over to Mr. Steve Ditto's email real quick because it is an interesting talk, and we loosely talked about it because I do it think... It is certainly interesting, yeah. It, well, I mean, because it goes to show that different people really put different amount of stock in certain things, and I wonder if Sony, can, if Sony sees that and if they see it as a strong enough point. So he says, Hey, Triangle Square crew, my question this week is simple. Why are games that would kill his remasters with trophies not remastered? And his examples for this are Resistance, Heavenly Sword, Warhawk, etc., it seems crazy that games like Prototype came around, Prototype came around for a victory lap, but not these PS3 classics. By my estimation, the additions of trophies alone would carry them to financial success. What are your thoughts? Thanks, Steve. Now, this one in particular, I think, is very inter- interesting because I'm actually going to go ahead and say, Steve, I don't think any game right now on its own can stand to have a selling point be just trophies. Prototype, hold on, I missed something. Prototype came back around for, they made a remake of that? Prototype 1 and 2 both came out on a PS4, on a disc even. I've never seen that before. Like a year or two into the PlayStation 4 life cycle. Oh, those weren't picking up? No, okay. Um, I agree not, with I mean, though. not in my personal opinion. Yeah. To be fair, I did not play all of 2. 2 was better than 1 of what I played of it, but I didn't beat it. Uh, one, I just felt... Prototype's always like a more edgy or infamous to me. They always, I always got those games mixed up. I can see that, but I just thought Infamous handled it a lot better. But I have seen people, I want to say No Fate was one of them that said he actually thought Prototype was better. So it's, I, I guess look into that. what end of the spectrum are you on? Yeah, um, I, I agree with you with what you're about to say, that, that trophies will almost never be a... I don't want to say never, but we're not there. And I don't... And I don't it's funny because you can even just... I, I kind of use my work group, who all play on PS4 as a test... I tell them my platinum games, and they just think like they're like what? Like, like they don't they don't understand that dedication to it. Now, of course, they're gamers, but they're not necessarily core gamers, so it's hard to want to say that they'd want to market something toward a group of only core gamers. I think that there's a there is something to be said that I've seen this already true of games like Uncharted, where people platinumed all three of the original Uncharted's on PS3 and then come back around on PS4 when they got the Uncharted collection, platinumed all three of them again. I do think that there's ground to be stood on that, yes, these games coming out and having trophy support obviously helps their stand because there are... I mean, every game having trophy support adds something. But I think that these games actually deserve to be brought back around as remasters completely outside of their ability for trophies. I just think that these are great games, and I think I stand more with you on the fact that it is crazy that a game like Prototype, which was really kind of an underperforming series, came back around for a victory lap, but we haven't seen anything in Resistance, Resistance, or we haven't seen any of the other kill zones. And It is weird. I mean, I I do think that all these games deserve, and I really think the Heavenly Sword deserves to be on PS4 because that is a game that was so early in the PS3's life cycle that a lot of people just skipped it all together, and it is actually still an interesting game. Um, I never played Heavenly Sword, but I I will say that... Maybe I still had it, but I don't. That that much, that I will play games for their trophies, and I am sad when I am playing like the Switch that does not have trophies. I mean, I'm even sad when I do something in a game and it doesn't give me a trophy for it. I'm like, that's yeah, giving me I mean, a trophy. Well, yeah, sometimes. Uh, but I do want to say, and you may be going there, so if, I'm going to loosely mention it, and then I want you to go ahead because we looked at okay. it yesterday. It was about the fact that we started wondering if there was any weight to the fact that maybe trophies really are uh, not a main marketing point but can be considered some kind of a marketing point to a point where they talk about it. No. And we decided to look at sales yesterday. So you go ahead and do, I wasn't going you that. say what you're going to say, and then we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, I wasn't going to the sales. I was going to that, um, like, let's say if Bloodborne Yarnum Collection or something came out, it had Bloodborne plus the DLC. I would probably not pick it up if it didn't have a separate trophy list. If it had a separate trophy list, I may pick it up just to platinum it again because I want to play Bloodborne. Here is where trophies for me 
become a poison. I don't want to play Bloodborne again because I already got all the trophies. So like I want, oh no, I actually I had this I want conversation to play with another Bloodborne day. so bad, but I don't see any use in playing it because I already got all because the, the platinum to you feels like the bookend. I'm done. Yeah, it, like, feels, it feels like, like I don't have anything left to do. I, I don't want to say that because technically that's always true, but. It's one of those things where I like it because when I don't, and I, I guess it is, you could view it as a poison, but whenever I play games and I get the platinum, that's where I feel comfortable putting a game down. Whereas I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not going to get the platinum for Shadow before I start playing uh, South Park, and that means I'm going to have to put Shadow down to play South Park, and I'm going to feel bad that I didn't get the platinum because I'm going to know there's a lot of stuff I didn't touch in the game. Oh, well, you just add it to your so backlog. It's a, it's a mixture. Yeah, See, I'm not that hardcore with trophies. I am a well, huge trophy I, you fan. Know, did you notice I got Final Fantasy XV's Platinum all in one playthrough? I never I never yeah. necessarily broke. There wasn't a whole lot of games at that point, though. That you I, well, I mean, that was I did Platinum after Platinum. I got that one. I got, um, I mean, it, around the same time, I got Hitman's Platinum. I got a bunch of Platinums around that. Um, and then I was going for the Platinum on Last Guardian. But it's just one of those things where, you know, I got all the pl- I got the Platinum for Horizon all in one go. I got the Platinum for, uh, well, to be fair, it's a pretty easy Platinum, but I got the Platinum for Hellblade all in one go. Yeah. I got the Platinum for a lot of games in one go. I got Skyrim's Platinum in one go. That's typically the way I like to do it, and I really don't like leaving a game. Uh, and the problem with it right now is if it was just South Park coming out, I'd Excuse be able me. to play South Park and then but bounce South between Park, that. Shadow. But I still want to play Destiny. I still want to be able to play Destiny with y'all. It's an issue. I don't know. And uh, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, there is something to be said that if a game has a new, tra- a separate trophy list. It's more incentivizing it is a, it's, a, it's an incentive. And an incentive is one thing. But in terms of where the actual market is on that, it's hard to say. Because what we decided to do is let's see how much weight there really would be to that. So, you know, there's been two games that have released on PlayStation that have been, uh, for all intents and purposes, a trophy, a game. trophy game. So when it comes down to the two games that we're talking about, for most people will know My Name is Mayo. And then the other one was like... Orc Slayer something? No, not Orc Slayer. It was the top, super top rated 500 or whatever. That was like that puzzle oh, game where you put together. There is an Orc game on PS4 that has really easy platinum. I think well, it was made there's a that. difference between easy platinums and a game that's made for a platinum. Well, I, think, I think it was. And it I will was say. Very badly made. I will say this. There's. There's a reason to say that us going to these for, for statistics is a little bit of like pushing it to the furthest extreme, but it's the only thing that we really have to be able to compare. So if you look at the furthest extreme of games that are solely made for trophies to see how big of a selling point that really is, my name is Mayo. Uh, we couldn't get sales on that other game. I looked and I couldn't find anything. It was only up for like 30 hours or so. Like yeah, then it got hours, pulled down. So it's hard to yeah. say, but my name is Mayo. Uh, it cost it, a dollar, didn't it? Yeah, 99 okay. cents or so. Or so maybe even 49 cents. I can't remember. It was something real cheap. That's, that's but my name is Mayo was a dollar. So the two games that we're talking about, of the two, we were able to look at a, a decent idea what our logic was following it is that we went to PSN profiles. Yeah. And PSN profiles so pretty le- pretty legit. Yeah, the they're, they're good for, with their numbers. And what you you imagine is if you were going to buy My Name Is Mayo, you bought it knowing that it was for a platinum trophy. So if you right. bought it, you more or less platinumed it. So the number of, the numbers of platinums would have been highly highly successful to match to the number of sales. Correct. So when we looked at that, they, that game looks to have seen roughly sixty three hundred sales. Sixty three hundred sales is paltry. I mean. Poultry. That game sold like 50,000 copies on Steam that doesn't even have a good achievement system. Yeah. So that means that only 6,000 people have bought it for trophies alone, which in itself is a kind of a small testament that the, the niche for trophies is really small. Well, and then because well, not necessarily because here's the thing: there's a bunch of trophy hunters like me that would not get that game out of sheer 
Like you ain't respect. a real trophy hunter, my friend. No, it's, me it, and Cody both got it just for that. No, because it's respect for no, your games. It nah. is because here's the thing: I platinum Terraria. You know right. what? You know what Cody did, and you know what you did to a smaller extent. Smaller, just played it to platinum. No, is it y'all? Y'all piggybacked on me to get the platinum to an extent. You still didn't get the platinum, so and you played no, more of it with I, me. But, I played more of it with you just to play, though. But you know, and then, Cody joined only though, <laughs> Mister Cody. I see you there with them trophies. But that's what I'm saying is that you know there are people that shamelessly go after trophies, and then there's people like me who I, I view the trophy. What was that game called again? We were just talking about the other one. Not my name is Mayo. Top rated 500, something like that. I don't remember. Okay. Um. But, I mean, that's where I stand on that, Steve, um, is that I can't quite yet see trophies as a big enough point to where I think we may not be far, and we may even be to a point right now to where it can be used as a marketing, not ploy, because that sounds bad, but it could be used as a marketing point to go, hey, not only does this game got all this stuff, it's also got a platinum. Uh, you know, and that, that's something I can see, and I think that that's a good enough thing, and trophies are there now, but I don't think the market's ever going to be big enough for trophies to where people want to buy games just off of trophies. Now, if I'm for some reason taking what you were saying wrong, I do apologize, uh, and if you would like to respond and kind of give me a deeper idea of what you were talking about, I would love to hear that because I think that I feel like maybe I'm missing something in this. Yeah, like, I'm curious. Uh, if you did mean uh, like trophies are going to sell games, I think that they do, but it's going to be a small, small Well, they, they do, they, but they don't. It'll never be at the limelight Because here's the thing. Marketing. It's like, yeah, one, one final putz on that is that, yeah, there's times where I'm looking at the game and I'm a little on the fence about the game. I'm like, it does have a platinum. And I'm like, worst case scenario, I buy the game, I get some trophies, you know, I get a platinum. I, I totally bought that game. <laughs> I just never downloaded it. <laughs> So I have top rated percent bought one thousand top rated one thousand top rated, but I, I I bought it for like it was in the same time that Elite Dangerous came out and was on sale, and I remember buying it because it was like fifty cents I think, but I just I was like I'm not gonna download this and do this this is lame like and I never you you see I don't have the platinum I, I never started the game <laughs> so like but. but it's just like there are people like me who's like I'll press X ten thousand times to get my name is Mayo. So yeah, I mean, like I said, that's where I kind of stand on it. But yes, yeah, if, if, you, have, if you have something, if you wanted to go a little more in depth with that, and, and maybe I'm missing something, please feel free to email back. I would be very, I'd be very interested. Or tweet at us, whatever you want to do. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what your deeper thoughts were. But that's kind of where I stand on it. I would like to see trophies get to that point, but I do think I that that's something that's reserved for a, even a small niche of core gamers. Um, yeah, and I think that there are many, many more archetypes of gaming that would take the place before trophies. I think that more marketing things can go through that would have a higher success oh, rate than trophies. One, one other thing I wanted to kind of flip side this is that I've always wondered myself why these games haven't seen remasters either, and I partially think it may be Sony trying to refrain from releasing just a flood of remasters so that they're not seen in the public eye as just a remaster system. Because... If they do it as often as Xbox and Nintendo do it, it's seen as the industry as a whole. If we see PlayStation flood the market with all these remasters of PS3 games that a good amount of people missed out on because they played on 360, it starts to look like it's specifically already, on them. I've already seen people, though, that have that stigma that PlayStation does that. And so then, I think it's already I mean, yeah, too no, far you, you see the stigma anyway, but... Yeah. The other, the other side of that, too, is that it does look like Sony's backing off of remasters and we're starting to see Sony remake games that they think are that worthy to be played again. Yeah, and see, actually, speaking of trophies, I read an article today I saw on, uh, that was, that was, don't play footsies with me. Um, <laughs> That's is a that, how would you feel if Sony in the next generation got rid of trophies? Because would, when you think about it, they only did trophies to complete with achievements, but not a lot of people care about achievements anymore. A lot of people, more people care about trophies now than people did care about achievements back then. Because trophies, 
I've said this a lot, and it's all opinion, but trophies have a stronger pull to what they are in the system behind them. This is the problem. It's I, like a checklist. I, a game. I never cared for achievements because achievements are a checklist, but the score system means nothing. All you're doing is looking at a score besides someone else's. The the levels of the trophies, like oh, this was an easier trophy. This was an easier trophy to get. It's gonna be bronze. This one's slightly harder. It's gonna be silver. I think this that's one's what really the hard. Score means, though. It is. It is. But it's the number doesn't feel as good as. And then because there's not a equivalent to a platinum yeah. on, on the achievement set, you just get all achievements. But yeah. you don't get a platinum for getting all achievements. And the 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 meta game that happens on the back the back end of trophies to where your number of platinums and the number of trophies actually contribute to your trophy level. Is way more fun to be able to look at somebody and be like, oh man, they're the same level as I am. Cause it's a little bit more leeway. So you feel like the competition's a little bit better. Cause like, you know, I told you, me and Reptar are, are, right. are, are neck and neck. Yeah. Like, with we, me and him bounced around for a long time. He's a little behind now cause he hasn't been gaming too much lately. But I mean, that, that was my buddy to do that for. It was kind of fun. Cause he'd be like, oh, he's level 21. I'm level 21. I'm about to be 22. Yeah. It's like the back end system for trophies has a stronger pull than achievements ever did. Yeah, and like and in my then, opinion, I mean it's all opinion. Achievements point, did spawn like one of the biggest. I'm not gonna say one of the best, but one of the biggest like media consumers uh, or con- media producers in Rooster Teeth that made Achievement Hunter, which was based on guides in the very beginning about achievements. Now it's more of a let's play kind of thing, which is weird. But um, I think that now that there are more trophy hunters than there has ever been achievement hunters. I mean, I'd be interested to see that. I'm gonna look up those numbers when we get done with this episode. Yeah, that, that is super interesting. Just because, and it could, and I, and g- coming at both sides of the blade here with me is that I was in the Xbox generation when achievement hunting was huge, and now I'm in the PlayStation community with trophy hunting, and I see more people active in the PlayStation community that was in the Xbox community. I got you. So super interesting. I think that's it, though. It's been an hour and a half long episode. Was that all the reason why we covered? Oh God, who knows, man? But yeah. See, we just did what we needed to do. It was an hour and 36 minutes. Longest so this has been, episode ever. Yeah, this has been the episode, man. So, Saul, to wrap that up, just want to reiterate, if you have any ideas about the, uh, or if you have any thoughts on the ideas that we shared about the future of the show, please let us know. Uh, and, of course, as normal, you can catch us for the next episode next Monday. So if you until, don't catch the next episode, you're going to catch these hands. <laughs> so, until episode 30. Man, it's crazy to think we've been doing this for 30 weeks almost. Half, over the half a year. Yeah, so yeah, for uh, episode 30 next week, we will join you then. Triangle Squared, thank you. Thank you, guys.